Who were the people that were picking on you? Um, every race, uh, every gender. Mm-hmm. I was just, I wasn't safe really. I could be walking down the halls and a girl would come up and like kick me in the back of the, like the leg and I wouldn't be able to do anything. Or I would have a tall, skinny white boy come up and just smack me upside the head. Or I'd have a African-American come up and just punch me in the back of the head. It would be everybody. Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. My guess is that most of our listeners have heard about the sexual assault case involving junior varsity football players at Damascus Senior High, an assault that one prosecutor described as astonishingly cruel. While it's easy to dismiss such occurrences as extreme and rare, it does beg the question, is this evidence of a much broader culture of abuse and bullying in our schools? Tonight's guest is here to answer that question. Just a few years ago, Not Cavanaugh was a target of never-ending abuse at the hands of fellow students at a Fairfax County Middle School. The bullying got so bad and the teacher apathy so persistent that he attempted suicide at age 13. After Not's mom pulled him out of the school and became a homeschooler, Not wrote a book about his experiences as part of a class assignment. When he saw the effect his story had on other bullied children and their unaware parents, he knew he could make a difference by sharing it with people. And he's here tonight to do just that. We're also joined by Nott's mom, who's going to give us a perspective from parents on bullying. Not and mom, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having us tonight. Thank you for having us. Why don't you just set the stage for us? I know that when I read the book that you wrote, the physical and verbal abuse was pretty sobering. Set the stage of what it was like coming into school each day and facing that. Paint that picture for us. Well, about two months in, the verbal abuse started to become physical. That's when I realized that they weren't going to stop targeting me. And an average day when I came into school was me putting on my hood and putting on my headphones and just completely shutting out, Um, not wanting to be there, not wanting to be a part of the school in general, just wanting to leave 24-7. And it was just something... Well, you're basically trying to hide in a sense. Yeah, it was like, it was kind of like me trying to go into camouflage mode. And they just always picked on me for some reason (laughs) whenever I was in that. I don't know what I did to them, but it was just, it was a way I could cope, but also still have to go to school. It was just something I always turned to. So it just happened day in and day out. It didn't matter how much you tried to camouflage. You had an expression in the book you used, didn't it? Sort of. Sort of like a mantra of how you were trying to hide, and mm-hmm. what was that? Blend, ignore, survive. Yeah, blend, ignore, blend survive. And, but that doesn't work. Uh, no, not all the time. So so you said when we were talking that they sort of prey on certain type of people that they see as weak. Who are the weak people, and who are the strong people? So describe those. The strong people are the people who are more socially active, the people who can really... They can really talk to people and also maintain conversations. But like when I was in seventh grade, I was like extremely socially awkward and I would not do anything. Mm -hmm. I would just shut down. So they they saw me as an easy target because I was just I wouldn't do anything. Yep. 
and they picked on a bunch of special needs kids that I knew of. It was it actually got so bad that one started like screaming and running through the halls, like slamming his head on the lockers. It was just it was just terrible. So and, so if you were outgoing, extroverted, strong, physically imposing, I mean, were those the sort of people that were the bullies? Yeah, and and rich. Like it was also like a like a social class thing. Yeah, you mentioned the Gucci shoes. I mean, what what? <laughs> and it seems to be the new thing now. If if they if you had certain types of shoes and clothes and whatever you were in, and if you didn't have them, you were out. It was more of a status symbol, kind of like how a king wears his crown. It's like a status symbol mm-hmm. to that. Like I said, my mom shopped for me in the seventh grade, so it wasn't it wasn't something I could really wasn't something I could really do. I had no fashion sense in seventh grade, so. So, how pervasive is this? I mean, it's. I know you went to an elementary school where you didn't have an issue. It was kind of a shock when you got to middle school, mm-hmm. right? It, it, was it just really kind of bad and, and persistent across all the middle school? Yeah, it was just. It was kind of a big change from being like one of the more popular kids in elementary school to being thrown in to the straight outcast mm-hmm. in a middle school. It wasn't something I was prepared for. And you mentioned that it was sort of a one-two punch. There was, well, actually, three punches. There's the verbal abuse, and then there was physical abuse, and then there's the, sort of this 24-7 social media abuse, which mm-hmm. people have to put up with. I mean, how bad did it get in terms of the physical abuse from the people? You know, you, you took beatings at times, didn't you? Yeah. I got jumped one time on the streets. It was, it was very bad. I was at the shopping center in my house, and I was... There's like a shortcut behind Giant, and I got jumped back there, uh, kicked, and I actually, like my my jaw doesn't still feel normal today. I felt I think they did something to my jaw because one kid like like put his heel into my jaw, mm-hmm. and uh, they gave me a bloody nose and kicked me everywhere. So, so I got to go a Just little off script here. I mean, when you hear this, Mom, I, I mean, did you notice some of these things physically when he came home? That he had any bruising or any marks on his face? Or? I didn't. Um, it was a really tough time for us. Our family, our son had started into seventh grade, and things were going okay, but he just became angrier and more frustrated and shutting down and locking us away. He would come home from school and go to his room and slam the door. He was disengaging more. He was um, leaving the house to go you know, meet up with what we thought were friends, but it just seems now looking back that it was a way to escape, and I had no idea. Um, I did notice that even in the warmer times, he was wearing hoodies more often. He was covering himself head to toe in more modest clothing. But as a parent, I looked around, I'm like, okay, they all kind of dress in joggers and hoodies and it didn't really occur to me the pain he was in i just knew that my son was hurting but i did not know the root of it and he wasn't talking to us so were you hiding things from your mom and dad oh 100 uh i didn't know what they'd think of me and i didn't know what i'd think of me if i ever told my parents that i was getting physically harassed so dig into that just a little bit deeper. Did you feel a sense of shame? or Yeah, more like a, I couldn't stand up for myself, and I have to go ask my mommy and daddy to go and essentially help me. Mm-hmm. It was more of a pride thing. Yep. I'm a very stubborn person, I admit to that. But it was more of a pride thing, and like, I can do this, I can beat the, the big guy, and it's just something I was just ashamed of telling my parents. Do you think the, the bullies know that? 
and in, in a sense because they're they're sort of belittling you and degrading you and and do you think that actually built up this determination in you to, to hide things from your parents yeah i don't think they meant to do it but i think it was just something that they did is yeah. i don't think it was on purpose but yeah so there were different groups i mean you described to me sort of like the uh the spanish-speaking group in the school and then there was sort of everyone else and they were at odds with one another what is, is that sort of the division in the school or is it who were who the people that were picking on you um every race uh every gender mm -hmm. i was just i wasn't safe really i could be walking down the halls and a girl would come up and like kick me in the back of the like the leg and i wouldn't be able to do anything or i would have a tall skinny white boy come up and just smack me upside the head or i'd have a african-american come up and just pu punch me in the back of the head it would mm -hmm. be everybody it's just equal yeah. opportunity bullying mm -hmm. basically all you can eat yeah so what about the teachers where were they in the middle of all this in the hallways <laughs> yeah in other words they were they were not getting involved i think the only time a teacher ever got involved was when i was in the class and like they interrupted the teacher teaching so the only time that they ever intervened was when it was a part of their schedule when it ruined their schedule i think that was the only time ever that a teacher ever was like hey don't do that did you suffer any reciprocities from that? Did they? No, they didn't stop. They were just more quiet. Because I know once you did go to teachers and tell them yeah. about an incident and what happened after that. Um, I went up to the teacher and four people ended up approaching me after. And they said they'd um, if I didn't tell them that I wanted to get this particular person in trouble, that they'd slit my throat and throw me into a pond <laughs> to the point where I'd never be found. And... I believe them so I so I got in trouble and I got lunch detention for a, like a month which thankfully I got lunch detention because lunch lunchrooms were also really bad I didn't really touch up on them in the book but they're they're pretty bad I want to get into things got really dark for you you said to me when I, I met with you previously that things got pitch black you used that term that's kind of like the low point of all of this when was that and how did you feel I felt alone, but when I turned towards, like, drugs and started thinking about suicide, I think the drugs and the suicidal thoughts didn't really mix together. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a really big, really big point. I think that was probably the lowest I was, I was in during that time. And so were you about halfway through the year, or? Um, when I started taking drugs, it was about halfway through the year, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're, you're 12, 13 years old. Yeah, taking taking drugs. Like, that's something a 12-year-old shouldn't be doing. I wanted to ask you about why you think this happens. Um, what's going on at school? Why are kids so angry? Uh, you mentioned a lot of the kids are in pain. What's going on? Some people can be insecure, and they want to feel, like, stronger than somebody else. Um, also, it could be, like, they want to feel like just stronger not like insecure but they just want to feel higher above everybody like powerful. Else. yeah powerful in you, a sense you used yeah. an expression hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. do you get a sense that some of the kids that were picking on you had suffered some some hurt themselves in the past 
100%. And that's what helped me um, realize and help um, end up forgiving most of them. Let me take this moment just to let you take a break, not, and you can have a little sip of water and do a station ID. Uh, you're listening to the Grace and 30 radio program. We're talking to Not Cavanaugh, a young man who was relentlessly bullied at a Fairfax County Middle School just a few years ago while in seventh grade and who wrote a book about his experiences entitled Bully, Broken, Redeemed. And we're also joined by his mom. And this is kind of a great segue to ask you a question, which is, I can't imagine what it's like for you to sit here and hear your son talk like this. It's got to be really hurtful. So how do you react when you hear these things? I mean, it's still got to be painful, right? It is. It's been um, two and a half years now that uh, this has kind of been something that he's been healing from since then. And it really hasn't been until the last year that we knew how deep of a problem he was having. As I said, we knew there was a lot going on. His grades were failing. He was angry. He was um, short. We knew there there were some serious issues, but we had no idea the extent of the abuse or how really close we were to losing our son to suicide. It just was not something at the top of our list of concerns at the time. So why do you think you didn't see what was going on? He hid it really well from us. And and honestly, I also started to look around at and listening to other parents while they're in middle school. This is very normal. Kids get anxious. They, you know, they're a little more short with you. It's preteens. It's a phase. It'll go away. But God just put on my heart something was seriously wrong, and we had to make a change or we were going to lose our son. And so I think society has come to a point that we expect teens to act this way in some ways, and that this defiant and angry behavior is just part of the course, and it's really not. We have a lot of hurting children who are desperately looking for strength from from someone, and um, the families have are just... They need to be there and more clued in. And also, when your children come to you and they're looking to share a part of their heart, they'll normally start with just a little piece of it to see how you react. And if you over overreact or you shut them down or you tell them, oh, it's no big deal, everybody gets teased, you push them away to feel that they can't come to you. And we as a society have to do a better charge, a better job with listening to our children's hearts. That's a really good point. Uh, we hear this term, how the importance of listening is to, to grace, just yeah. shutting up and listening, really genuinely listening. Not in the book, you wrote a couple things. At one point you said, uh, parents think they are making a difference. They are not. Mm-hmm. You, you also said that parents, adults, uh, give out ridiculous tips and techniques. Um, what can you say to parents to make them really, your mom just said, hey, we need to listen better. How do you how do you really get them to do it? I mean, I, you certainly want to encourage kids to be more open with them. Mm-hmm. And then what do you want to tell parents? What, what kind of feedback do you want to give them or encouragement you want to give them? If your kid's saying that he's getting bullied, I suggest being quiet and hearing what they have to say. Some people, when they talk, like when I started talking to my mom about this, when I was getting bullied, um, while I was getting homeschooled, I felt like she was judging me, so I didn't tell her the whole thing, just because of her body reaction. But I think it was more of a discomfort realizing what was happening. But I makes read the signal, so try and be as relaxed as you possibly can and just be quiet. Don't try and show any signs of like discomfort, because you can read that as a judgment. So um, try and be as calm as you possibly can. In other words, don't freak out. Yeah, don't freak out. (laughs) What Um, about advice for kids? I mean, that's for someone who says they're being bullied. You were trying to hide it. 
Oh, yeah. So for if, mom, if the mom sees something and comes to you, I mean, what, what do you want? What did you want your mom to do, even though you were hiding things? Is there something she could have done that would have made you turn a corner? No. I mean, the only way she, I really turned the corner was when I left so I could see the abuse that I was going through. Because at that point, it just became my normal. And it really, looking back on it, it's kind of a blessing now. Well, let's talk about yeah. that, how you turned a corner. Because it seems you found a passion in life, which mm -hmm. was weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And it almost turns into a might makes right story. You got a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger, and that led you to start challenging people. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the weightlifting and then when you left the school. Mom, you can chime in and say when you made the decision to get him out of there and, and how you turned the corner. Weightlifting was more of a coping mechanism. It's just a way that I could have burned out all my energy without unleashing it out on a wall or my parents or my sister. Or um, even yourself. Yeah, or even myself, yeah. It was just something that I was always... So did you feel about. like when you started doing that, you, you, you felt better in your spirit and your body? Mm -hmm. um, it says in the book, I actually got a punching bag that my dad bought me. That Like the weight... The weightlifting and the punching bag were just two really extremely important things or else I would have probably gone crazy and just ran around the house just destroying everything if I didn't have a something I could have like forced my anger out onto it was just it was like a really good coping mechanism that I could have used so there seemed to be a sort of a turning point in the book where someone encountered you and you you fought back and mm -hmm. that seemed to dial them back the bullying it didn't go away oh no it but, didn't go away. but people did seem but to it, respect you a little more it made them a lot more cautious um mm -hmm. and unfortunately more focused on other people bullying yeah them. and then i tried to help other people but i realized i couldn't help them from where i was standing which is kind of weird because i'm standing in a better opportunity now Knowing I can help people even though I was trying to help them back then knowing I wouldn't be able to help them But now I'm in this position where I'm able to help them, which I think is Really amazing. So mom. What was the breaking point where you said something's really wrong here? Yeah. I don't fully understand it. I'm getting him out of here Yeah, well my husband and I had actually um, started for a couple of months looking at the possibilities of private school or homeschool We didn't know but we knew we had to get him out um, our God had just put on our heart that if we don't make a drastic change, we will lose our son. And through that, I took it very seriously. And I was the most reluctant homeschooler ever. We um, <laughs> never thought we would. <laughs> yeah, we never thought we would be sitting in this position. But we just really looked at it and said, "Okay, we've gone out and looked for private schools. We can't find anything under fifty thousand dollars a year to." put our child because he had learning differences. He had dyslexia. We didn't know what to do. So I said, okay, um, honey, pray about it. Let's see what we can do. And he said, let's just try homeschooling for a year. If it doesn't work, we'll send him back. And I'm thinking in my heart, there is no way I'm sending him back. But okay, we'll try it for a year. And we had gone, um, we started homeschooling him in the end of seventh grade. And within a year, I had a completely new child. Um, actually, I'd say six months i mean it, it took a good six months the first six yeah, months six months eight yeah months, yeah around but that time yeah the anger the frustration the shortness he was kind again he started his own business he was giving back in the community we realized that in order to heal him we were going to need to do some serious things and we started looking at opportunities for him to serve in the community and he actually started working with um 
homeless teens mm-hmm. on the street, and he really, really enjoys working in a homeless ministry. And he started working with children in foster care, and he loved that. He started um, just serving and finding gratitude every day. We put him in a community Bible study group, and he really came to know Jesus through that. It really mm-hmm. taught him more about just getting away from church, but his relationship with God, and that helped start his healing. Um, and then we start helping him really grow. Where's your future going? This is today, not. Where are you going for your future? And helping him see a vision past today were all parts of a bigger part of healing for him that he needed. And so we have just, we can just not be more delighted as the opportunities that we've been given from homeschooling and helping him heal. And now, academically, he's just killing it. Like, he's ready to start college soon. I just can't believe it at 15. It's just almost unreal. It's funny when you think of homeschoolers that every one of them is totally into homeschooling and getting out of the gate to do it. And you (laughs) are very different, and yet you've seen the power of it. I want to talk about the book, that it was one of the class assignments. Yeah, what's a class assignment? To to write a book and tell us, you know, about the assignment and, uh, you know, the, the reaction of other kids to your story. And uh, you also are not using your real name. So mm-hmm. just kind of give us the background on that in the book. Well, I'm not using my real name because I don't want anybody 30 years down the road to realize my actions that I had as a 13, 12-year-old that were horrendous. And if I could take them back now, I 100% would. But uh, but one could say that you didn't do anything bad. You were sort of um, reacting to some very bad treatment. That That's... I became a really terrible person. I became evil. I became just a terrible person. Like, nobody wanted to be around me. Mm-hmm. I, I just had that presence of just don't mess with me or I'll, like, really just I'll mess you up if you just say the wrong word to me because it, it was just that bad. So you kind of want to air all this out, but at this point, it's still early. You're, you're still 15, correct? Mm-hmm. You're a young yeah. guy, and you don't, you know, you want to get the story out, but do it in a way initially where you sort of have a pen name. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick the name that you picked? Uh, so while I was writing my book, it was during the Brett Kavanaugh cases, and it just the story made me so sad that both sides were outed by their own parties. It was just terrible. And I was like, I don't want anybody 30 years down the road to realize my actions as a 13, 12-year-old to move a political agenda or any sort of agenda that can possibly harm my family or even, like, my sister or my mom or my dad. And that would just be terrible. You looked at, it was an assignment to to Mm -hmm. look at the hearing, look at both sides, listen to both sides equally, and sort of make a judgment. And what was your final judgment? That politics suck. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Basically, everyone was wrong? Yeah, everybody was wrong in their own own special way. I mean, the Democrats are wrong for saying all the rape charges on them, and the Republicans were wrong by like trying to make it more public to like turn it into more of a publicity stunt to further their agenda mm-hmm. it was just terrible so we've got a few more minutes i want to make sure you know we typically invite people to share with what's on their heart or a call to action or whatever what are the most important things or two that you want to share with the audience right now you're not alone uh i surely felt alone in the seventh grade and you're not alone. There are people who are out there 
like you. Um, just by writing my book, I've found people who have read my book realize that there's other people like them who, and then they end up telling their parents what what's happened. And you're not alone. And parents, you're not going to like me for this one, but you don't have to go to your parents to start out to like talk to them because it's hard because they're your parents. You don't want them to think of you differently. Um, like I didn't tell my parents for almost a year after I got out. I think the first person I told was probably one of my friends uh, over Xbox. So just a random friend that I met online on Xbox. I was like, yeah, I got bullied severely to the point of suicide. He was the first person I told, and it was like a really random thing, but it was just something I had to get off my chest. So it sounds like your friends are an important part of this, having yeah. someone to talk to that's a peer. My friends, like my friends now, I don't think any of them know the extent to the point I got bullied, because I don't want them to think of me any other way, and I don't, I don't like to have a real weakness, which is kind of weird, because I'm coming out here to talk about a weakness, <sighs> but... I don't want any of my friends to see me as like a weaker person, but I know it's something I'm gonna have to work the courage up to tell them eventually. Mom, would you like to, you can 45, 60 seconds, what do you wanna share? Um, I would like to share with just other students and parents out there listening that this is an issue that it's affecting one in every five of our children. 20% of our children are being severely hurt and bullied. And any child who is being bullied is at severe risk of attempts for suicide. And it is a serious problem that we need to start dealing with. And it is not something that our schools can solve. It's not something their friends can solve. It is gonna take an entire community of people to help heal these children. And there's a really fine line between the child that's being bullied and the child who is a bully. They are both hurting, and they are both deeply hurt, mm -hmm. and they bleed a lot of pain internally. And healing them through finding their God-given talents, finding a place for them to start giving those back, and finding true healing um, for just their spirit is something that we need to start working on as a community and groups and stop being shameful because some of us in the Christian community like everything to look so beautiful on the outside, but our children are broke and seriously hurting internally. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I really appreciate your willingness to come on here and share this story. It's got to be painful and difficult and, and certainly hopeful as well. We're going to be posting a link to the book on our website along with links to any organizations that are not approved. <laughs> um, we're going to have a replay of this program and selected highlights on our website in the next day or two. This is Ed and Not and Not's Mom signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace. <laughs>